0: Hello, what's up? My name is Rich Ryan. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast. Welcome. Today we have two very special guests. One is a former guest, strength coach Dylan Moralia. He joins us once again, and this time he comes along with his brother, Mike Moralia. And the Moralia bros have a vision for a challenge that no one has ever done before. So what they are attempting and training to do is to pull 500 pounds on the deadlift and then run a mile all under five minutes. So, Clarified, clarify not to pull 500 pounds in the deadlift then take a nap and eat a bunch of food and then run a five minute mile later that day no no all at the same time pull a deadlift then run that mile all under five minutes so this presents a whole different challenge of a specificity for their training and their approach on the actual day of the challenge so we do a deep dive but of course the first eight or nine minutes we roll through the rapport round we cover things like gym-based drinks and also gothic rock bands. so if you're into that tune in but we dive into the goods at about 10 minutes and then we start talking about the multiple approaches to kind of get to the same result including different progressions and volume that the different that the brothers are using we talk about body composition and how it can affect your results in training and how that's going to factor into this challenge as well and then we also talk about the different workouts that you can do to get the most bang for your buck when it comes to running fast and lifting heavy which is you know what we want to do Cool. Awesome. So if you enjoy the podcast, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit and that would just be great. So let's get into it. Here are Dylan and Michael Moralia. All right. And we are on, we have Dylan and Mike Moralia here today. Boys,
1: what's up? How's it going, Rich? Doing What's doing good, well? Rich?
0: Not much. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. You guys have a real cool challenge that you guys are partaking in. We're going to dive deep in the training and really kind of pick your brain on on what that's like and give the the listeners some details on that. But first, we have some random questions. And typically, you you guys are identical twins, right? Like flat out identical. So that that is a fact. So whenever I have a question that and I'm worried there's going to be like this type of annoying question that gets asked all the time. To, to people like like you guys who are identical twins, but this is my default question like that. What's like the most annoying question you guys get asked about being identical twins? And Mike, does anything come directly to mind?
2: Yeah, everyone will always ask what's it like, and there's no possible way for me to answer that because you just won't understand. You won't understand what it's like having a best friend around 24 seven. So when people ask me that, can't really respond.
0: And it's also just like your life, right? Like, it's like, I don't know. It's this. It's just what I've always had. So how could I tell you what it's like? Dylan, do you get that I same think- question?
1: Oh, yeah. I tell people it's the same thing. And people ask me, oh, like, well, how's it like being a twin? And it's like, well, how's it like being a single child? Like, I don't know. You don't know either because that's all you've known. So it's just a dumb question.
0: And just have like really bad conversations back and forth. i would be like, well, it's like, I don't know. It's this the same as anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, don't ask identical twins what it's like next time you see some or you meet one. That's just that's rude and it's an annoying, stupid question. So I have to ask this one as well. What's the deal with the race day tights?
1: Is that still a thing the, for you guys? The muscle tights, or the the... Muscle
0: tights or like the skin, like well, yeah. What would you call them? Are <laughs> there multiple so, pairs?
1: So of tights? They're muscle tights, and I believe Kevin Donahue once referred to them as meat pants. Me? Because I think I did like 14 reps instead of like 15 reps at a stadium race. And they're like, hey, go get meat pants to do an extra rep. Um, it was a fun thing. When I first started racing, I just found them online and I thought they were awesome. Uh, now I'm just wearing a lot of short shorts when I'm running.
0: That's fair. Because you guys, that was like the staple. And and you guys were doing the East Coast Circuit for a long time. You guys were always at the, the stadium races. So if you you would see... These dudes up front, these yoked guys with full tights that look like meat meat pants. <laughs> that 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 are you guys are. So are they out? Are they are they retired? Or are they still?
1: Uh, I wear them occasionally, but I think at races now I'm done done wearing them. I prefer the short shorts. They're more fashionable and trying to bring back the '70s look with the mustache and short shorts.
0: Mike, mm. what about you?
1: Have-
2: Officially retired. They took their last race, Epic Series. They had like a multiple race lap challenge for like 12 hours. And then halfway through, one of the walls ripped them open right at the crotch area. So that kind of made me immediately stop racing with those. Because it's kind of unacceptable to show up to a race like that.
0: The the meat out of the meat pants. Exactly. uh, Are they functional in any way? Or are they just like fun? Oh, no.
2: They are not. I mean... They're just racing tights, as functional as racing tights can be. Yeah, that's
0: fair. So now I have some questions for the, the each each one of you about each other. So Dylan, what is Mike's go-to cheat meal?
1: Go-to uh, jar of Nutella. He'll finish an entire big jar of Nutella with the spoon in it. So when you go into the cabinet, there's still a jar of Nutella in there. It's just empty <laughs> with a spoon inside. <laughs>
0: And do you, and Mike, do you put it back just, just to fuck with people or is it just like, ah, there might be, I might be able to scrape a little bit more out of this later?
2: You can always scrape a little bit more if you get like a spatula. So it's always going to go back.
0: It's always going back. Is that right? Is that the correct answer? Oh, yeah, 100%. All right. Good. That's a good work point for Dylan. So, Mike, what is Dylan's worst lift in the gym?
2: Oh, that's a snatch. Yeah, he can't snatch for shit. Is that true? I'd say that's it.
1: It's pretty accurate. Anything overhead, pretty much, is my downfall. So a snatch would be big, big number one.
0: Overhead squat, too. Is that, that tough?
1: I know I, I could stabilize weight overhead, but pushing weight overhead or getting anything overhead is the challenge.
0: And, and Mike, do you have the same deal? Can you do snatches okay?
2: I can do them better than he can, but <laughs> he's right. Uh, stabilizing overhead isn't an issue. It's getting something from the shoulders to overhead that is a real struggle for us. So when other people have, uh, problems like with pulling or maybe this, our weakest lift for some reason, is just an, always a vertical press. We suck at it.
0: I really have that same, I have the same issue too. And I just figure from years of running and having my shoulders forward and my thoracic's relatively tight and it's just hard to, to really open up. Is it in your shoulders? Like in front of your shoulders or what's it with you guys? Like your lats? How, why can't you guys push? It's and, just
2: and... general weakness. It's like, if we were really trying to push everything, that is my weakest link.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think in races, like we're not, we're never pressing stuff overhead. So it's never really a big, yeah. like, all right, we're going to do strength overhead, maximal effort today. Like, it's just never really a thing you need to do. It's more like, oh, it's a volume. So I'll just throw it in there.
0: And that's kind of the deal with a move like that that's very specialized anyway. Unless you're going to be doing an Olympic lifting meet, there's no real purpose to like drill it and, and open things up to, or if you're going to compete in like really serious and in, in CrossFit. So I'm with you. I don't like the snatch one bit. <laughs> it's the worst.
1: But yeah, no, I mean, if you needed to build strong upper body, if like there was ever pushing events, yeah, it would help out because it's going to be able to build super strong upper body, but there's just no point in the races that we do or <laughs> anything that we need.
0: Can you even see a place for that in something like like a high rocks where you're pushing the sled, or is that even just not specific enough? That No,
1: because that could be stabilizing. So, I mean, we're really good at stabilizing weight overhead, and as long as you could lock out and hold a locked out position. Skeletal, I think <laughs> Robert... Oberstein refers to as squish weight, squish any weight, weight that yeah. you could just stabilize and let your skeletal system take over. And he refers to it as squish weight, what I find hilarious. So your squish weight, as long as you can handle that, you're good.
0: Huh. I like it. So that's the, he's the big, uh, he's a strong man. Competitor, strong
1: right? and pretty. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think he has a, he has a book on Amazon and I bought it one time. I was like, this is gonna be great. And it is literally like 20 pages long, full price for the book, full price. And it's just like, Yeah carry some heavy stuff sometimes <laughs> I mean, he's got to push bait. <laughs> that would be a takeaway he just he just freaking sold me on his, on his all right cool dylan what was mike's favorite music artist growing up
1: oh geez that's a very good question probably we're so versed in music because we had uncles that listened to absolutely every single artist but probably a big one he'd listen to a lot of him back in the day
2: and Mike, you can see you him think?
1: on his tattoos
2: I mean, I have the tattoos, but I don't think I was like very big into him. Let's give uh, him the yeah. X for that one. He's wrong.
0: I I saw them one time down here at the Electric Factory. We used to listen to those. Uh, we used to watch those CKY videos, and they were always. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> were you guys in the same boat? Yeah, they have some. They have some really cool tunes. A good friend of mine. It was like one of his favorites ever. So, Mike, who was like your favorite growing up? <clears throat>
2: Man, back then, I mean, it had to be probably Metallica. That's probably the most we listened to back then when we were just learning to play like instruments and everything.
0: And do you guys share musical taste then or is there any? 100%.
2: Yeah. You got to understand, we had the same upbringing, the same friends. Like there's no reason why we wouldn't have the same interests, the same hobbies, like the same music taste. Everything is, is similar down to a T. Hmm. Except yeah, here, right sense. now. Like
0: hair <laughs> on top and facial hair which we've talked about and cool mike what's dylan's favorite alcoholic beverage
2: oh it's definitely a gin drink whether it's going to be like a gin and tonic i don't know if that's going to be the answer but it's definitely going to involve gin
0: gin based drink dylan it's
2: my go-to gin based drink
0: just any of it like it doesn't matter what
1: uh there will be fancy drinks but most often you'll get as a gin and tonic
0: yeah, just just. Do you have a specific gin? I'm just starting to learn about gin, so I'm like, I'm trying to pick gin drinkers' <laughs> rings. What's like your go-to? Do you have one, or just whatever they got?
1: If I could get it, Monkey Nine Nine so makes like the best gin I've had. Hmm. Isn't it Monkey Forty Seven? Monkey Forty Seven. That's it.
0: I have, I haven't even heard of that. Is it like super small batch stuff somewhere? Or like I have no idea what that is.
1: Uh, it's usually like the top shelf gin that you'll uh, gin that you'll find at like beverage companies or like specialty shops.
0: Hmm. Try. I've been really the my COVID drink has been a Negroni. When the sun started
1: coming out, started <laughs> Not Negroni. a fan of Campari. I thought I would like it, but I, just, I couldn't get into it's so, it. So
0: it's so bitter. It's just like ridiculously bitter. But Negroni's my my drink of, of choice. Cool. All right, fellas. So you guys did it. And Dylan, you've been on the show before. Dropped a bunch of knowledge on strength training. Uh, really, some serious good gems that came out of that episode. So if you haven't heard that. Go back and check out that episode. Just search Dylan's name and it'll it'll pop up. I'm not exactly sure what episode it was, but it was great, so check it out. But but Mike, some of the listeners might not be as familiar with you, so just give everybody a quick rundown about who you are and what you got going in terms of training and coaching.
2: Yeah, so again, my name is Michael Moralia. I'm living in sunny California right now in San Diego, but I'm also a performance specialist with Exos, looking pretty much at all different verse types of, of training, whether it's weightlifting, running, any type of gymnastics or whichever you want to do. I'm also coaching CrossFit as well. And that's pretty much where my my expertise lies. A lot of just hybrid type of training and I've been in the OCR scene for quite a while, maybe about 3 years doing it competitively at a pretty high level and now currently Fell off the OCR, not competing as much, especially with COVID going on, but still training every single day, looking for a new feat to accomplish and looking to challenge my brother in whatever he does and try to outdo him.
0: <laughs> yeah. How things been? Are you guys back in the gym? Are you working? Yeah, we're
1: back in the gym. Nice. Yeah, my, my gym's back open again, and uh, happy for that. But I also have my garage gym, so can't complain. The Mustache
0: Dojo never closed, man. That's no, cold. never closed.
1: <laughs> it's only improved. Though. With everyone selling all their gym equipment, I've been buying plenty by the boatload. Which, what'd you grab? Uh, so now I have the concept line, the skier, the rower, the erg. I bought more weights. Nice. I got a full set of kettlebells now, so we're we're jamming.
0: It's literally like the full gym, the whole, it's, the whole concept. We're there. a full gym. Oh, I, I think I saw you. You
1: did the lactic uh, acid bath. Acid That's bath, a fun one. <laughs> yeah, I got How my dad that? to do acid bath too. So the first time I did acid bath, I did it after a long run, or maybe it was like a track workout, and I got five eighteen, and my legs were shot after that. Like it was, it was bad. And then I got my dad to do it, and he he did it under the time cap. I think he got like five fifty one or something, which Is I was a stoked six for him. Cap? It's a six minute cap.
0: And just for those listening, it is – you take all the concept to machines, so it's the rower, the So it's bike.
1: a 500-meter row, it's a 500-meter yep. ski, and then a 1,000-meter bike. And typically yeah. all those would take like two minutes if you're going at like an easy pace. So that's why the time cap is six minutes. Got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. Mike, have
2: you done that one? Not yet. But I know it's... if I do it, I will beat my brother. <laughs> it's
0: not not my easy. first
2: try. No really effort put into it. That's when
0: you have to go into the gym and, like, do you, do you just go there that day and you're, like, pumped up? You're, like, cool. This is going to be great. I'm going to do this to myself right now. <laughs> like, this is the workout that I've chosen to do.
1: <laughs> when I got uh, that ski equipment, that's exactly what I thought. I'm, like, oh, I'm doing this workout.
0: Because <laughs> I the think they did that at, like, the Dubai. They have that They had that – document the doc the doc on netflix about in dubai and they do it and that one woman kristen horbath i think just smashed
1: she crushed it she crushed a lot of men too
0: yeah she was like well up there and cool and since dylan you've been on the show you've actually had a career change yourself right
1: partially yeah so i'm still a full-time coach uh coach but right now i'm a volunteer firefighter trying to make a career job out of it as well
0: Nice. And you, it looks like you've been doing some cool training with all the gear and everything. How's that been? Has, has your regular training in the gym translated pretty well to the to the, the work?
1: I'm definitely a fit to duty firefighter. So it's definitely helped <laughs> out a lot. And training with the gear on, like the gear is not heavy, but like with that face mask on and you're trying to breathe, it's, it's a work. Yeah, It's, I it's imagine. no joke.
0: Yeah, I, I throw temper tantrums with my little cloth mask on sometimes just while, while doing the COVID stuff. So I could imagine with a full – helmet and the the whole mask and everything is probably not awesome. Um, so cool. Awesome. So we have a good idea of who you guys are and you guys are right in the middle of training for something that has literally never been done before. And it's, you guys want to pull 500 deadlift and then run a mile and have that all done under five minutes, not on the same day, but within this five minute time cap, you're going to do the deadlift and then run the mile. So Dylan, tell me, how did you guys decide that you wanted to do something like this?
1: So uh, I think the challenge was originally started by Dave Castro. He threw out to his athletes like, hey, if you're a really serious hybrid athlete, you should be able to back squat 500 pounds, run a mile in under five minutes in the same day. So I think there was one athlete that started with that, but I'm pretty sure he started with a deadlift. So he deadlifted, did that in the same day, and then also ran the five, under five minute mile. And then since then, there's probably been I think three other athletes that I've looked up that have done the same, or some other athletes at the 500 pound back squat with it, which is a little bit more impressive in my book. That's some serious weight. But what and that the just point happened, is? Right? Yeah, that it, happened like you, you uh, three the, weeks ago. I think one um, like of the new two guys dudes
0: just, just did that. That's pretty freaking impressive. (laughs) So
1: yeah. And I know right now I'm a little far away from doing a 500 pound back squat, but in order to make things harder, like, all right, these guys already have the necessary strength. They're just training for the running right now. Like how about we tie this in all together and not just make this about running? Like, can you do the run even faster and still do the deadlift? So we're trying to do it in under both under five minutes.
0: And, and Whose idea was this then? Was it just some sort of collaboration when you're talking about it? Like, hey, it's COVID times. Like, there's not any competitions coming. You know, we still want to be fit. We're going to be strong no matter what. Like, like Mike, was there a point where, like, did you come to Dylan for it? Or did you guys just start talking together? And you're like, all right, cool. let's Let's go.
2: I remember I got back from the gym one day and then I got a phone call and it was Dylan. And he's like, hey, you know – I want to do the five and five. I was like, yeah, this is what it feels like. Cause I've already done it. I did this last year in the same day. I deadlifted 500 pounds at the gym and then took an hour nap and uh, ran a sub five minute mile. But he was telling me he wanted to get Guinness involved and he wanted to do it in the same clock. And when he first said that, I didn't really understand. I'm like, what do you mean in the same clock? Like I already did this. And he's like, no, I want to do both things on the same clock and they both have to get done in under five minutes and I was like oh that's gonna be some work right there okay and he originally proposed it like this is what I'm gonna do and I was like well I want to get involved in this too what's your timeline and when is this gonna go down
0: so Dylan you, you mentioned Guinness like the actual like the, the record book
1: yep
2: yeah, so there, ever since,
1: of course, since middle school, when you're like going to the book fair, everyone sees those Guinness Book of World Records. And best. like, of course, every kid's like, oh, I want to be in this book. And you start looking through records like, oh, I could do this, stay on the soccer ball the longest, I could do this. <laughs> it's like all stupid things. And then you're actually thinking about, it, like, hey, this could be a good record. So I just reached out to them and they have a process. You go onto their site, you make an application. You could have like an expedited application where you pay like $1,000 and they'll review it like right away. Or you could have like a, just a general $5 application and I'll get back to you in like 12 weeks. And then there's different ways to do it. You could like videotape it. You could have some representative come out there. So right now I'm waiting for them to get back to me. The biggest thing they want to make sure is everything's objective. So I figured a mile is super objective and a time is super objective. There's no like variables revolved around for anyone else. So there should be a clear cut record for them to sign off on.
0: Hmm. And can you, you can propose your own kind of records or is there something in the book right now that has something similar to what you guys are attempting? I
1: scoured, I typed in deadlift and mile and I got like 200 pages of results. So I scoured through like maybe 55 pages and saw nothing that even came close. The most interesting thing, obviously, I saw like the backwards mile. Well, that's funny, Uh, but there was no other like... Mile times with lifting weights. Everything was like, oh, I could run a mile and juggle the fastest. I could run a mile and do the basketball the fastest. So it's mm-hmm. all these like random different mile times.
0: Hmm. So when you first when this was first proposed, like Mike, when this when Dylan came to you with this question, like what was the first thing that came to mind? Were you like, all right, like I've done this in the same day. So what kind of thing do you think you had to improve upon? Like what do you think the mile that you what kind of mile shape do you have to think think you'll have to be in? Because you can't be in four fifty nine shape.
2: Yeah, so I I I ran in a four fifty-eight, so I knew that wasn't gonna be good enough. And I have times of all my deadlifts, they take anywhere from seven to eleven seconds. Oh. So I gotta run like a four forty eight pretty much. So I got to shave 10 seconds off my time and be there pretty comfortably.
0: After doing a max.
2: After doing a max deadlift, like drop that bar immediately and, you know, hightail it out of there. And there's two thoughts I have on that. Because if you're doing a deadlift, like one, of course, when you
1: drop that bar, you feel super amped up and ready to go. Can you feel amped up long enough where there's, there's not huge drain on your central nervous system where you could actually get this done? So, like, both the deadlift, both the miles is, like, a amazingly taxing on your nervous system. So, it's, like, will the amp up give you enough to actually, like, help you or is it going to be such a flush for your nervous system?
0: Right. Do you foresee yourself, like, you do that, you 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 hit it and you're on pace for 300 meters and, like, you barely feel anything because you're so amped up and then everything's gone? Is that, like, a concern for you guys or what do you think?
1: I'm more viewing it positively whereas, like, I'm going to feel super amped up and that's just going to help.
2: And that's just going to push yeah. you through So obviously part of our training has been, you know, hitting a heavy deadlift immediately going into sprints just to get used to that feeling. But you're right. 500 is a big lift. It's something we don't do every day. So as soon as that clears the ground, we're going to get these endorphins, serotonins that are just instantly getting released. And can we maintain that high for long enough to finish that mile and not drain out and just completely dive on that fourth lap?
0: And these type of chemical releases are—we're not used to that when we're going into a race. And if you think about—if any runner out there is like, oh, "Okay, like yeah, f- I could run a four forty-five, whatever, fresh of the line," like that's not after you've done something extremely intense, and then your your whole system is going to be all out of whack. And when it comes to pacing, typically in a mile, you want to be pretty even all the way through, right? So, like that's a, a challenge that I don't even think a lot of people can even wrap their head around like what that's going to feel like after you drop that bar. I didn't realize the deadlift. I mean, I know 500 is a heavy lift, but I think a lot of times people see people do deadlifts and like, oh, that took like one second. It was like a two second lift, but it really takes, it's going to take seven to 11 seconds, you think? Well, as soon yeah, as you so- touch that
1: bar, you have to engage yourself and get ready to lift. So it's not just like, oh, the bar is lifting off the ground. That takes seven, 11 seconds. Like you're in grabbing the bar and engaging at the same time. So that takes three seconds right there. And then mm. you're lifting it. <laughs>
0: Okay. So that's, that's the differentiator. It's not that when the lift starts is like when the setup starts is when the clock, so
1: when you, in. when you touch that bar, your clock starts.
0: Hmm. Is that also something that you're practicing? Like, yeah, let's, let's touch on the, the, the skills first that you guys are like the unforeseen things that you guys are thinking about and what you're kind of wrapping around your heads. And then we'll talk about the, the dive into the training a little bit more and then what that's actually going to look like. So are there skills that you guys are working on in terms of how to make it easier? Are you working on grabbing it and pulling really fast? Like, Mike, is that something that you're that you're trying to do? Or are you still just really, like 500 is a big enough lift that you need to make sure you're doing it with all the proper precautions and everything?
2: So this has always been my approach to a deadlift. If you ever watch any of the world's strongest men's, their setup time is massive. They'll hold on to that barbell, they'll rock it back and forth. You know, it could be 30 seconds, even 40 seconds of pure engagement of getting ready. I've always been ready as soon as my hands touch. It's a quick setup. I know my body's prepared and it's a pull. So I've been lucky to always been training with that mentality where I'm not wasting any time as soon as my hands touch. It's hands are on the barbell. I quickly pull myself. I know I'm set and I'm ready to drive through the floor and pick up that weight. And that's something you have to think about going into an event like this because if your hands are on the barbell and you're wasting time setting up, you're crushing yourself because now that mile is never gonna happen. So you have to be incredibly
0: fast, right?
2: Yeah, you gotta you gotta train. As soon as you grab that bar, you have to make sure that you can confidently say I'm in a good spot and start pulling. Because if you're not, you're gonna wreck your body, and it's not gonna be fun.
0: And 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 Dylan, are these like are these similar practices in what you've been training with like your entire time when pulling for a deadlift? Is that that's, are you similar to Mike in that way? It's like I'm I'm on it, I'm quick, and I'm, I'm pulling it up. Or are you gonna have to change the way you pull things.
1: I'm gonna have to change the way I'm pulling. Thing at the moment, it's all been controlled, and like I'll grab the bar, sit back, and then roll the bar into me and lift, which doesn't take a long time. Like I'll take four, three, four seconds on my setup and pull. So total time of lifting will probably be seven to eleven seconds, which Mike was saying. First, I could take off more time, but it depends how comfortable I feel with that. Hmm.
0: And you talking about the mile, right? Like so, it takes that that seven to eleven seconds. So you're gonna have to like make up for that on the run. And so therefore you're going to have to be faster than a, f- a five minute mile. Like we had, we had spoken about. So on the lifting end of things, how, how strong do you anticipate you're going to have to be on the day of the event or what would you, where would you like for it to be in terms of your lift to make it feel any easier? Because like we've talked about a couple of times, it's pretty freaking heavy. So Mike, what do you think? Are you going to be just around 500 or where is your pull right now? Or where is it looking or where do you hope for it to be on that day?
2: My pull last year when I did this feat was, that was the first time I ever pulled 500. So I was like, sick, might as well just run the mile today and try to hit that five and five. And then I eventually worked up to 550, but I was also a good 20 hmm. pounds heavier. Hmm. Now being lighter, I'm not at 500 yet. My best pull is right at uh 480 and 495. But as long as I pull 500 once before this event happens, I'm going to be confident in knowing I can pull that weight off the ground. I don't have to be too much heavier. That really doesn't concern me. It's more of that mental block of the bar being 500 and not 495. Having that barrier changes is just huge in the head for a mental standpoint.
0: Yeah. So, and I imagine you want to do that at least, like you said, one time before the event, but it's still a taxing lift. Like how... Like Dylan, what are you thinking in terms of your buildup? Are you kind of in the same spot or is your lift uh, around the same right now? Are you a little bit heavier than that? Uh, No.
1: Last year, my heaviest deadlift was 475. Okay. And so there was – on Friday, I did – I wanted to see what my max deadlift was and I barely got – I think I got like 435 off the ground. And then the very next day, I was with a bunch of people and we were doing like a strongman competition. The first event was let's see how much we could deadlift. And I pulled 475 off the ground. So I always do better when there's people around. Nice. Um, So right now I'm training as if my max would be 500. So my training is building up to that. Whenever I hit the track, I should be primed to hit 500 versus hitting 500 beforehand and then doing it on the track.
0: So so you want to peak for for that event? Like you want to make sure you're going to, are you going to periodize it to the point where, and I guess I should have asked this to begin with. When are you guys doing this?
1: So the original plan was mid-October, end of October, about two weeks ago, actually four weeks ago, I was deployed on a wildland fire. So I lost two weeks of training where I did no running, no lifting. So my timeline got pushed back at least two, three weeks from that. Hmm. So I'm still looking end of October, early November as a time to probably fly out to San Diego and get this done.
0: Okay, cool. So that's still, what, six, seven weeks?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm looking at like six weeks right now on my training and
0: so, what are, what are some of the other skills that you think you're going to need to do, like aside from that, like, you might be unforeseen that you want to go into that day? Because, you know, when I think about it, it's like, okay, just you, you deadlift and then you run. So that's, <laughs> that's fairly simple, but there's going to be these little nuanced pieces that are going to make a break and, and they're going to save you time. Have you guys thought about that much? Like, Mike, have you put any thought into like what you're going to do on that day to make I it just
2: know as efficient as possible? As a racer, it's still talking about the event, not nothing prior to it, at least. But as the event's going on, I know I'm a racer that always goes hot out of the gate. Everyone's seen me do that plenty and plenty of times. So I know hitting those first two laps, I'm going to have to try to... Because we're also going to have a pacer. So as soon as that our hands touch the bar, we're going to have a pacer start his mile. And it's going to be at a, a five-minute pace. So the first two laps, I'm going to do my best to just chase him down and stay with him, and not so much try to go past him. Cause I know mm. mentally I will want to do that. And I know that will be shooting myself in the face. Cause I'll die on the last lap.
0: And uh, yeah, because the, the mile you can really, really blow yourself up in that first quarter. Right. Like I honestly think like if you're going to run a mile, it needs damn near even splits and to make it as effective as possible. So yeah, I could imagine like if you pull that five hundred and then you just go out the gate and run to, like a uh, sixty-two, your first lap, that would that'd be a bummer.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a disappointment all around. We know what's going to happen then.
0: And uh, Dylan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like w- like aside from like the pacing of everything, is there anything you're thinking about in terms of trying to conserve energy or conserve time when heading into this?
1: I mean, the, the biggest thing is not going out too hard, too fast. Yeah, like the pacing. I pretty much I'm going to do exactly what my brother is doing. It's it's a typical mile event. Like you're going to do everything like you would a mile. You're just adding a deadlift in beforehand, so it's like it's going to change how you're feeling a little
2: bit.
0: And what's the thoughts behind having a pacer run at 5 minutes and have them start ahead of you as opposed to having somebody start with you who's going to run
1: that's where I disagree with my brother because I don't think having a pacer going out at the five-minute mile starting at the clock is helpful because that all that's going to do for me is make myself chase him on the first lap, and that's going to drain me. I think it would be better to have the pacer start with me as soon as I finish the deadlift to go off at that maybe 72nd lap and then judge where I'm at from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And could you have two of them? Could you have could yeah. you have two pacers?
1: I I. Again, that would screw me up because if I see someone ahead of me, that's just gonna push me harder than I need to go. Mm. So I think it's better having someone going off at that seventy second pace and then adjusting wherever you need to.
0: And Mike, what are your what are your thoughts behind that in terms of just having that rabbit and just a lot like like harnessing the adrenaline that you're gonna be after the pull and just trying to capitalize on, on like that those early feel goods?
2: No, he he makes, you know, really good sense of Draining yourself out too early to just try to chase. But that's the exact thing I want in a race someone to look at and chase down. And I know my speed well enough where I probably won't, you know, want to even try to get them in the first lap. It's just more of just trying to get even, you know, towards the end of the second lap. So I know myself well enough in that sense where I, I need someone to chase down as opposed to starting with me.
0: Hmm. Okay. So it's just like a difference in philosophies in terms of actual race day strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I I see merit both ways. And when, what, I this might be, these are like these little details that you're going to have to address. Like, are you going to be wearing a belt? Like, what kind of shoes are you going to be wearing? Like, Dylan, what are you going to do for this stuff? Like, is that because it's heavy enough? Pull like a belt would be nice. I
1: was, uh, so I haven't been pulling with a belt lately and I haven't seen a need to. I was thinking about it. If I do use a belt, it's going to have to be those Velcro belts where you can just like kind of Velcro it off and just throw it to the side. Mm-hmm. But as of now, I haven't been using a belt to deadlift. So I don't see a need in it. Right now, a belt that- <laughs> well,
0: it, I agree. But like in competition, like, that's True. pretty sweet. It, <laughs> it, when you pulled that 475, was that without a belt?
1: Actually, with, when I pulled 475, I was using Jen Dancer's belt. That was nice. It's <laughs> a really lady's shit. belt.
0: And, and what about footwear? Like, Mike, what have you been thinking about those things? Are you going to do belts? Are you going to do footwear? Like, what are you going do? Are you just going to wear, like, regular I runners? I
2: definitely do not need a belt. I've always done my deadlifts raw. The heaviest deadlift at 550, that was all raw. actually even just wore flip-flops, I think, for that lift. So I definitely don't need a belt. When it comes to shoes, we've been talking about it. We want to wear track spikes. I've just never worn them in my entire life. So I don't know like how I feel about it. That's going to be the only issue. Is I told, if- I told you to get track spikes. You're an idiot. I already got track spikes. So I've worn them a few times, and they've
1: helped on my two time trials that I've had so far, and they were amazing.
2: Have you yeah, deadlifted so I, I in gotta them? Get, gotta get I them.
1: haven't deadlifted them, but they are cross-country. Um, track so spikes they're, they're so flat. they're yeah so they don't tip you forward which is nice because that would be an awful deadlift experience <laughs> um but yeah so they they are nicer they're just a little like i have fat feet so having slimmer shoes especially track spikes kind of sucks but again it's only for race day so that's fine
0: yeah you set the deal it's not not for comfort and all right so I, i'm sure i'm gonna think of some other like logistical things on the actual day and there's gonna be things that you know, the, that you're not, you probably might not even know until you actually do the event. So let's talk about the, the, the training that leads up to it in the first place. So how, how have you guys been doing like the structured and training? Like what do the progressions look like in terms of, let's just start at the gym. Like Mike, what have you been doing to help with the actual lifting? Is it, is it kind of set to progression or has it been like a moving target? And are you just kind of building general strength or what's that look like for you?
2: Yeah, this is where you're going to hear two complete different answers. Nice. Um, Mine is I'm not too worried about it. I'm still training, you know, all like a hybrid athlete, all different types of movements. Everything's really varied. And as it comes to deadlifting, it's not super progressive for me just because I've already been at that weight. So I know I already have the capability to do it. It's just, do I have the capability to do it at a lesser body weight that I am now than what Mm -hmm. I was before? So I just look at it as in a two times a week period. One of those days during the week, it's just going to be building to a heavy, heavy weight. Whether I do decide to focus on singles or doubles, that's going to vary. And then the other deadlift workout is just, again, going to be at a more like 80% of just doing singles. And then still exploding with sprints off of that. So Hmm. one day it's just heavy lifting with no running. The other day will be heavy lifting with sprints involved. That's all I have to focus on just because I've been at that weight before.
0: Got it. So you're just kind of be doing like the max for the day, whatever that looks like in terms of singles, doubles, if you do banded stuff or whatever. Just going as heavy as you can one day a week and then more or less like race-specific training on the other day where it's like lifting heavy and then – focusing on what that's going to feel like in the run exactly and after. yeah got it dylan what do you think so are you going to be a little bit more structured or are you going to have targets and percentages to kind of build toward
1: when uh, trying to get to so this i have a very structured like i said i had a very structured 10 week running and just a deadlift program where it was one day a week for deadlifts and that was very structured but of course when i went on the fire all hell broke loose and that was just two weeks of dead stop but i'm still following that program the program's it's awesome. I mean, uh, Nell wrote my running program. Nice. At first, the first week, I asked her, I was like, all right, so what's the minimal I have to run to get this sub five minute mile? And then <laughs> I do that, and it was like 20 miles a week, maybe. And then I realized, like, oh, I need to run at least five days a week to do this. So I asked her, like, hey, now And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You need to run more. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I need to run more. Because um, I've never run a sub five minute mile. Like, I've always done mile time trials at the beginning of seasons when I was completely detrained. Mm-hmm. So this will be a new feat for me as well, a new feat for the mile, a new feat for the deadlift. Nice. Uh, so everything has to be a little bit more structured than my brother.
0: Totally. And there's something to be said about the familiarity of. I mean, I could speak to at least the mile. That, like, you, the feeling that you get in that, like, last 600, last 800. Like, if you are familiar with how that's going to feel, it's going to help on race day. So, like, training it specifically to get used to that right. is definitely going to go a long way so what does that look like in terms of are you going to be going from like like fives down to fours to threes in terms of lifts or are you going to be similar to your brother in terms of like lifting heavy a day or with like the actual lifts So,
1: yeah my 10-week program has been like i'll have one build up for a super heavy weight and then i'll be volume straight afterwards like today i was lifting i had to lift 450 for two that Mm -hmm. was my heavy lift and then i dropped down for three rounds of three at like 375 so some volume after that but I started off easy. Like I went to 375 to 425, then back down on my max left. And then I went back up to 425 and hit 450 for one like two weeks ago. Went back down and I'm back up to 450 for hitting up two. And then next double. week uh, hitting 475, then uh, 490, and then 500 should be the goal.
0: Hmm. I like that. I like that. I like the way that that's progressed out. And are the, on the other days, I know, Mike, you said – You're still kind of taking that hybrid athlete approach, that well-rounded approach, like working on different things. Are there going to be specific accessory things? Or even like say like when you were building your deadlift last year, when you got to 500, you got to 550, were you working on anything to supplement that is going to help the deadlift specifically? Definitely
2: a lot of supplement work and a lot of accessory stuff going on. And it usually involves dumbbells, a lot of core work. So whether I'm doing farmer carries just to maintain like core integrity and get that grip strength, or if I'm doing side bends again, all just for core work, and then a lot of different varying hinge work. So when people think of deadlifts, all it is is a hinge. And if you want to deadlift more, but you don't want to max out every day, there's a bunch of different hinges you can do to build up that strength. So whether it's you know, windmills and doing them with kettlebells or doing rotational dumbbell lifts with single arms just so the weight's light and you're still getting a lot of different hinge work in a rotational aspect, all those things are going to add up for you hitting a very, very heavy deadlift the day of. So all that supplement work can still be done throughout the week without overtaxing the body.
0: Hmm. And, and Dylan, is yours looking the same or are, is there any other type of heavy lift are you doing or are you reserving your heavy lifts like just for, for deadlifts and that? And, and for you, it's a little bit different cause you are going to be running a little bit more. So is there room for accessory work on top of the, the running and the heavy lifting?
1: Uh, I was having trouble trying to do both at once, especially doing more cause I'm at the firehouse, uh, like probably 48 hours, uh, or 24 or 48 hours a week. So getting more stuff in is a little more challenging. But yeah, no. I found out. Finally, found out a perfect plan. Like I'll always hit my heavy deadlifts, and then if I get another heavy lift in the week, it'll just be like an upper body max effort, just because I feel like doing something else.
0: Right. Just to it's, throw a, some it's weight all around. about
1: variety. Like I'll max de- uh, bench press for no reason. It's just not help anything out, but just because I want to max effort something else other than a deadlift.
0: Just want to bro out.
1: Just want to bro out. To throw that weight
0: around. <laughs> What's that look like then on the on the running side? Like, so where where are you? Like. Dylan, you mentioned you're you're following the ten week program. Nell's got you hooked up, who obviously knows what she's talking about. So she probably is pretty structured and she pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Are you doing like s- sets and reps on the track, or are you doing tempo things? Like, how is that kind of progressive? Yeah. Uh, so I'm basically
1: along? running around thirty five to forty miles a week. I'll have nice. two workout days, and the workout's always going to be a track day or a tempo day, and it's always going to be switching on and off. Uh, some days will be like, it's always a track lapse workout day, but then it will switch off between a tempo or a time trial. Like I had a 400 time trial and a 600 time trial. I actually did the mile time trial yesterday. So, How was yeah. it? Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to work out with, I asked Aaron, like, Hey, Aaron, cause I'm in Lake George right now. And I know he lives right over here. Oh, nice. So I asked him, like, hey, where's, like, the track I could go to? He's like, oh, I'll go to Queensbury. I'm like, oh, sweet, I'll go to Queensbury. And then he texts me again. Oh, wait, you might get kicked off of that track. I'm like, well, thanks. And he's like, oh, <laughs> go, to the, go to the Lake George track. It's not as good, but it's still a track. I'm like, fine, I'll go to the Lake George track. And I went there, and there's equipment everywhere. And there's guys like, yeah, the track's closed. And I get on the track, I'm like, holy shit. Like, they tore up all the rubber and everything. Oh. <laughs> and all that was on the ground was the pavement. Like, they just freshly paved it. And I'm like, all right, well, this is different. So I'm like, hey, can I just get, like, get a quick mile in? like, oh, yeah, sure, make it quick because, like, we're going to start dumping whatever that turf material is that they put on the track. Like, you don't huh. want to breathe that in. So, all right. So I get there, and I have my track spikes, like, with me. I'm like, all right, well, this is not going to work on pavement. So I'll start running. And first half mile, I got in 229. But there is shit I have to run around, like, on the curve. So I'm taking outside lanes to go outside their equipment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where one side of the curve, you know how on track fields, like they'll have a complete pavement all the way throughout the curve to mm-hmm. fit in like something else. So I do not know where the curve was on the mm-hmm. track. So I'm like trying to guesstimate like, all right, this is, I think where the curve should be. And I just kind of go there. So I finish, I actually finished my mile at like a 517, but it said I hit the mile in like 50 meters prior. Cause I was going too wide on my curves. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think that screwed up my pacing a lot because the first lap I was hitting at 71 and that was with a bigger curve. So, I think that screwed me up a lot.
0: And that's like an imperfect scenario. (laughs) Yeah. And and like no track
1: spikes either. So, like, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with the mile getting at least, like, right now, I think I could get a sub five if it was track with track spikes. I feel pretty confident with that. And more, six more weeks of training, I should be there.
0: Dude, you did a 400? What was your for That is the fucking worst. Uh, like, I did a
1: 459 someone... seconds.
0: Nice. Yeah, like when someone was trying to convince me to do a 400 earlier this year, I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it is so terrible. It's so um, painful it is the most painful you're like full sprint 200 meters in and then you can't go any faster so
1: i never thought like i never ran one so i got to the 200 meter mark and i looked at my watch well oh, i'm I'm going awesome like i'll slow down a little bit so i could push the last hundred so i slowed down a little bit and then that last hundred comes and like and that was a dumb All decision <laughs> I, sure, I can't go any faster right now like i don't know why i slowed down yeah you just gotta
0: hope you just gotta get to the point and if it's if you're out of gas, you're out of gas. You just gotta yeah. finish it. No, <laughs> no, no conserving on that. That, so makes- that
1: made me super confident for like this mile and everything.
0: Nice. And, and Mike, what have you been up to in terms of the the running itself? Are, where where are you at right now with your running? Are you are you feeling kind of confident in uh, where your like mile
2: running ability is? I've okay. always felt pretty confident in my running abilities, just because. I always run all throughout a bunch of CrossFit workouts, and that's one of my best aspects is keeping a very solid pace on the running no matter how long the the workout is. But they're always like short sprints. I don't usually get in long runs like my brother or tempo anything like that. They're always just sprints or stuff mixed in with the CrossFit workout. But the only issue here in San Diego, most of all the schools are closed. And that's the only time you can get into a track unless you know someone in the Navy because who can get you on base and use their track. So I am subjected to using this alleyway that has a turnaround, which means you have to stop, lose all your speed, turn around, regain it all and continue, which sucks for a 400. And I remember I came back and I called Dylan. I was like, yeah, I did really good. I got 70 seconds on this 400. He's like, that sucks. What do you mean 70 seconds? I was like, (laughs) you don't understand. I had to slow down, turn into an alley, speed up again, stop, turn back around and slow down and get back to where I was seeing the clock. And he's like, well, yeah, that's still pretty slow. I was like, you don't (laughs) understand what I was dealing with. I mean, as soon as I get to a track, like it's going to feel phenomenal not to, you know, stop, slow down and just continue to rip it.
0: So what is it? So so you're pretty much leaning on the the CrossFit training then. Like you're not doing any type of specific run training when it comes to trying to get all to that my mile?
2: my run training is just paired with deadlifts right now. So I'll mm. have I'll set a, a bunch of rounds at and they've always been progressively getting longer. So eight rounds at a single deadlift with 400 meters and plenty of rest in between. And some days there'll be. Six rounds with an 800. So it's progressively increasing the load of the sprints and the running aspect, but that's just one day a week. Everything else I rely on CrossFit and what else I'll be doing that day.
0: Right. And I mean, if you're, I'm sure the CrossFit programming you're following is very, is, I mean, constantly varied, but I mean, there's going to be shorter workouts and longer workouts that you're getting a lot of different, different stimulus in that. So that'll be interesting to see because you guys are literally coming from an opposite approach to this.
1: Well, not only oh, that, yeah. I think we're at completely different weights right now, which is like the first time and since we've been alive, different weights. This married.
0: <laughs> let's let's talk about that a little bit because Mike, you mentioned you dropped twenty ish pounds since last year. Now was and and this is something that is kind of a, a, a struggle where people might be either weary to lose weight so that they don't lose strength, or they don't want to lift heavy or gain weight because they feel like they're gonna run slower. Now when you lost these twenty pounds, was that for anything in particular or was it just part a byproduct of the training or did you plan on losing this weight?
2: Well I didn't plan on gaining the weight in the first place. So I stopped pretty much OCR and I stopped all the strict running I was doing. And I focused a lot more on lifting. So I put on a lot of muscle and all of my lifts just blew up. Like my deadlift went to 550. My snatch went up to 225. Like All my lifts went like crazy. And now that I lost all the weight, it was a little unexpected. I was right when quarantine hit, I just wasn't eating as much because it just became a hassle just to eat all those calories. And gyms were closed, but I was still working out of my house with a bunch of weights, doing a lot more running just because I, I wanted to. So all that weight came off and I still have most of all the strength which is which has been really phenomenal. So I feel like it's more of a mental thing than anything. Once you achieve those weights, it's kind of something you hone in on just because uh you have the technique and the fortitude and all that stimulus is like your body's familiar with it.
0: And is that kind of what you would chalk that up to is just having the experience of once being able to engage and call on that type of strength and focus that like you are familiar with lifting heavy, because I feel like a lot of times people will want to weigh a certain weigh a certain amount so that they feel like they can lift a certain amount of weight. Does that give you confidence that you might not really need to like your, your strength has been completely the same.
2: I would feel like it it does give you a barrier to a point. Like you're definitely going to want to weigh more if that's all you're going to want to do is lift heavy. But now that we're mixing in both things, I mean, my body still registers that stimulus that I've done before. So it's very familiar, the job it needs to get done, just because it's been there. It's been in that state before, so it can call on that, those same things to make sure I'm going to stay safe lifting this weight.
0: Hmm. And what's
2: your weight right now? My weight right now is 170.
1: 170. Nice.
0: And so Dylan, where are you at then?
1: I thought I was in the 183 region. And I got on a scale and it still told me I was
0: 192. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So leading in, are you, I mean, what I say? We're at seven weeks or so to, to get there. And at this point it seems like it'd be risky to make any type of real big body composition moves or are, are you going to try to just roll with what you got? Because I mean, you, you, you're on the side where you're, you're going to need to improve that strength a little bit. And, like, I mean, it seems like you're pretty close, yeah. like with pulling 450 for a double. But, I, what do you foresee? I actually like-
2: feel
1: like so. I, I know I could get to the deadlift, even though I haven't been there before. I know I'm progressing to that way where I can get it. The fact is, I am the heaviest I've ever been. I still ran a great 400 time, but it would be a hell of a lot easier if I just lost a little bit of weight. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, um, I don't, and I don't think it matters. Like, I'll, whatever weight I'm at race day, I'm at wait, race day. If I was 185, I'd probably be a little bit happier, but it's not going to make a difference for me
0: right and there's there isn't much time to do anything and anything that would get you to anything below 185 would be pretty drastic and would just be detrimental at that point like do and so are you just not going to worry about it you're just going to train and train and eat the way you've been doing it or what do you think
1: i think normally when i run this high mileage i start to lose weight naturally just because that's what happens like you're doing just more exercise and i'm not keeping up with the calories i need so it's going to happen so i will lose some weight but i don't think it's going to be anything detrimental and and
0: that's something that is interesting because the the approach you guys have in general is just this congruent training and, and being able to run fast and be strong and that's you know something that I feel is is new and uh, and fairly unconventional from a nutrition standpoint people either want you to be in a deficit to be losing fat or in a surplus to be trying to gain muscle or, or put on put on fat like where do you guys kind of stand on that like like Mike, what, do you, what are your general thoughts on nutrition in terms of strength and endurance or like what is like your general approach when trying to do both things?
2: Yeah, so doing both things, I mean, your nutrition does have to be dialed in. It can't just be a free for all wherever you're doing just because you will, you know, falter as soon as you get to the running. But if you're not taking care of yourself enough, you know, your strength's going to have issues because you need those calories, one just because you need all the glycogen for your muscles to even lift the weight in the first place i know if i show up to a gym session and i'm not fueled that heavy deadlift is not going to happen i'm going to have to make sure i eat well like i like to eat pancakes right before i go lift heavy for a deadlift one because it's the easiest source of carbohydrates and i know i'm going to be fueled for the workout but when we're talking long term building these things there just has to be a very good balance you can indulge you know a couple times throughout but you have to make sure you're still like honing everything in and keeping keeping it low key just so you can still keep that run and not overdo it
0: yeah it's kind of it is hard and i I found that it is probably easier to undershoot in terms of calories especially when training at a high level when you're adding in a lot of running so are do you are you guys tracking what you're going and are you pretty intuitive on what, what you're eating like dylan do you have an approach on that or are you pretty much uh, just eating to train or how how are you kind of approaching things.
1: Yeah, when you're hungry you should probably eat something. If you're yeah. not hungry, you probably shouldn't eat something. <laughs> That's as scientific as anyone needs to be. Anyone telling you differently is just trying to get some money out of you. Mm-hmm. But like like if you're a good athlete, you know your body and you know what like you kind of need. Um, at that point it just becomes intuitive and you're internalized with like what you actually need. So for us, like we've been doing this for a while, so it's pretty easy to say like we don't need to track anything. We know like Hey, you're being a dipshit right now, eating like two pieces of pie every day. Like it's dumb. So it's <laughs> it's intuitive because we've been doing it for so long, and it's easy to change when you know you need to do a certain event.
0: Totally, totally, yeah, and and that's interesting. Where because sometimes I feel like when people aren't dialed in as much with it, or are not really that dialed in with athletics or pursuing it, they might actually not know when they're hungry or when they're not. There might just be extra stress or sleeping poorly or just moody when they're actually hungry, especially for, I find was if you're doing like really intense work, you might just be like under the, under the, like just like under calories by, yeah. by quite a bit. just missing So the, the, the best
1: advice I always tell people, which no one ever wants to hear. It's like, Oh, like, can you write me a program? Can you like give me something so I can eat, know what to eat? I'm like, all right, well, first only 5% of the population can actually follow like a nutrition plan. Like it's kind of hard to do that. And second, like, If you want a nutrition plan, give me two weeks of a food log. And of course, no one can do a two-week food log. That's like way too much effort for them. So if you want to be a good athlete, just make a food log. And not only that, write how you felt after each meal. Were you full? What kind of mood were? in? Why did you eat what you ate? If you could do that for two weeks, I guarantee you could be a great nutritionist after that.
0: That's a really great, great place to start. And Mike, you kind of find the same thing when when you're talking to athletes or some of the clients that you're 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 dealing with in terms of nutrition? Like, is that where do you typically start?
2: He hit the nail on the head. That's the exact approach I would take. If someone can't give me those two weeks themselves, they don't know themselves well enough, especially writing down how you feel afterwards and why you made that choice. And even saying okay where are you on the scale before you eat something like on a scale of one to five before you're about to eat and you're at a two why are you eating the thing then if you're at a five yeah you probably should have ate a while ago so understanding those variables and getting more people to understand that that's where you start
0: yeah actually tracking because you end up being such a mindless thing for a lot of people where it's just they don't know what they're thinking and they haven't really put much thought into what's going into their body and they don't know what the the nutrients are that they are taking in. So yeah, like logging is eye opening in a a lot of ways.
1: I mean, I find it funny because everyone wants to spend so much money on someone telling them what to eat, which they'll fall off within a week, two weeks after that. But like, can you do this for free?
0: Right. Right. (laughs) right. And that's the whole thing. Like learning that skill and, and knowing what you're eating is definitely more valuable than having someone, print out your meals and, and hand them all to you because it's just not going to be like that way for forever. So you really have to learn, learn it on your own end. So what's it going to look like in terms of like, are you guys, are you going to carb load up for this thing or what's that? Or is it just going to be the day before, or are you going to make sure that you're kind of tapered down or what's the nutrition you're, strategy gonna like going to be like going into two
1: Italians right now? So we don't know this <laughs> term carb load. It sounds like an, that sounds like an everyday thing.
0: Are you going to eat going into the...
1: <laughs> just like every day. You train like you race. So whatever you do now is what you're going to do during race day. There's no Got
0: difference. It. Yeah, Mike, you thinking the same thing? You're just going to... Whatever you're doing for training, you're going to be doing for race day?
2: Exactly. Like I was saying, I feel great after eating a bunch of pancakes for a deadlift. And I know I can feel the same right after a run. So that's going to be my go-to breakfast.
0: Nice. So yeah, and whatever, whatever does sit well one thing i was thinking about when we're talking about the logistics of things is the actual warm-up how are you guys going to plan on that because i feel like I, I know for me the warm-up for a deadlift is a long time and warming up for a, a run like even a 5k to a mile like i want to be at i want my respiratory system to be like online and be like ready to rock i know i, don't,
1: I know exactly but, what i'm doing for this <laughs>
0: yeah well talk, speak to um, that a little bit because it seems tricky because i like to be have like my running warm-up and and maybe like three or five minutes before I run a mile?
1: Pretty much. I'm just going to run two miles. Like I always do before every track workout. And instead of going into my track drills, I'll just do my deadlift set. Like I'll do 50%, 60, 70, 75, 80, 85, 95, and hit the hundred percent, which would be 500 pounds. And then after that 500 pounds, or sorry, after the 95 or 90% deadlift, I'll go into my track drills, um, doing what I need to do. And then from there, it's just deadlift time and race day.
0: And then Dylan, like that—that that plan sounds about as sound as possible. Are you gonna? Are you gonna sim
1: that? Maybe like a week or two ahead of time. Uh, I think I have a, another one minute or one mile time trial coming up in two or three weeks, so I might do it then, without doing the deadlift first. Like I think I still might do all that warm up to hit ninety five percent, and then yeah. I'll just run the mile without actually doing the the deadlift.
0: The big pull. Okay, cool, um, Mike. What are you thinking for your warm up?
2: Yeah, so I have the same, you know, couple of stretches I want to run through just to get ready for a deadlift, make sure my hips are working optimally. Then before I actually start the deadlift, I wanna get my running warmed up, making sure that's there. Cause I'm pretty confident in my run. I wanna make sure I'm loose, can get those hits in, and then I have a very specific ladder I want to go through for my deadlift. Pretty much starting right at four oh five, taking a big jump to four fifty-five, four seventy-five. And then I'll hit – I'm still debating if I want to go one step above 175 and then leave it blank for the lift of 500. That's something I still have to play around with. But that's going to be the ladder and progression that I'm going to hit for my lift. And once I know I've already done that deadlift, I was going to take one more easy pace cruise at 200 just to shake out, and I'm ready to go.
0: And what's that look like logistically – are you going to bring all that weight to the track?
1: Of course. Like, how do you get all this it's stuff gotta, It's got to be cali- So be originally legit. I wanted to do it at in Boulder because at the gym that I work at, everything they have is calibrated plates. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And I asked the owner. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Bring like all the weights to the track. Do what you need to do. And then I thought about like doing this in Boulder would be the dumbest thing I've ever thought of.
0: <laughs> yeah. So now I'm trying altitude. to find
1: like a gym in San Diego that has calibrated plates and where we could do this.
0: Yeah, because that's even like in Colorado, I think they just ran that first ever sub four minute mile there. People just don't go there to run fast. Like there's a lot of people that can run sub four. They just never do it in Colorado because why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you put yourself through
2: that? That was not how it went down at all. Dylan approached me. He's like, we're going to do this in Colorado. I told him that's the dumbest thing ever and I'm not going to Colorado to run at a deficit. (laughs)
0: <laughs> to get So smoked. it took
2: more convincing on my part to get him to come to San Diego. I was like, hey, come here. It's fucking at sea level. You don't you can run faster and not worry about the altitude at all. And
0: that's true, Dylan. Like the all right, well you're in Lake George now, but like when you come down, like training at altitude, you can kind of add I think ten seconds per mile or so
1: if you run a I think it's if you run a five-minute mile, it's nine seconds. You could run a 4 or 4.51 at sea level.
0: Right. Yeah, that, that's that, that calculation there, which would kind of give you that that a, a definite advantage coming down, give you a, a much better shot at that attempt. So do you have a guy then, Mike, to take all this stuff out to the – because that's like a ton of stuff. Are you so, going to have people there lifting I mean, it for you so you don't like –
2: I'm in the process. I've been reaching out to plenty of companies like Rogue, Nike, Reebok, Aid, Red Bull. And I wrote up a proposal. I'm sending it out every single morning. That's like my routine just to make sure like I need someone to read this and understand what's going on. And I'm trying to get it covered in a live streaming event so we can have them kind of support us so we can get these weights there, get some of the other equipment that we need and especially track time. Because track time's not going to be free down here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So how's that been going? No responses yet. It's been (laughs) a week and a half.
0: Okay. Well, you're just just starting it up. Just got to keep bugging people.
2: It's a daily routine. Every morning those emails go out, I will be relentless on it. So what are you guys thinking like – what is the
0: like, Dylan? In your mind, like, what's like your biggest worry? Like, are you straight positive about everything? Like, is going to happen, or like, what is something that you you are concerned about with this challenge?
1: The fact that this will be two PR set in one <laughs> one event.
0: <laughs> That's concerning.
1: <laughs> uh, but, no, I'm, I mean, I'm always going to be pretty positive about it. Like, so it's just, I know I can get my training in, and I know at some point it's going to happen. Whether if it's not November. I'll do it again to try to get it next year. Like it's gonna happen.
0: It, that, but that's the beauty of having it be like a real event and like making it and building it up because that's when special things happen, right? Like we train so that on race day, when the race exactly, day comes, we right. can do things above our ability level of what we've proven to ourselves in the gym. So,
1: and that's proven to yeah. me every. I've always set my PR lifts in front of other people and not lifting by myself. So, having just more even, people at the track is even better.
0: Yeah what what's what's that going to look like? Are you gonna? I mean, in in, in covid world like what's that going to look like in terms of fans and stuff is just going to be people that you like your friends and family type of deal
1: 50 cardboard cutouts of you around the track (laughs) people people who want to pay to have a cardboard cutout of them and the fans (laughs) be great (laughs) uh i don't know we'll probably have like a few pacers there a few other people like friends and then like i really want someone on a bike videotaping as we run around or do something or a drone like i thought that'd be cool Oh yeah. Um, But I know you need a videotape for Guinness. So either like a bike going around videotaping, like some guy on the back, uh, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you could get like some, like rent somebody to come out and like pay somebody to do a drone, like go on like Fiverr or some like task rabbit thing and have them pay them a couple bucks to come out and and, and record things. Yeah. Mike, what do you think about when you think about this challenge? I mean, like it seems like you're, you're, you're feeling confident with it because you've done both of these things at, at one time or another.
2: Yeah, so like what... I'm feeling real confident about this. I mean, I feel like if it was next week, I could just make it happen. I will me- i have the means to make it happen. So the only thing I get worried about is coming around the turn, and I know that five minutes is coming up, and my body just tells me, hey, you know, it would be a lot easier if you just stopped right now. We can make that a thing, and you don't have to finish. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, a very valuable. real worry because it happens. Um to a lot of people.
1: I had that same thought when I was doing my time trial. I hit the second lap and I saw my time like 2.29. I'm like, we can just stop right now <laughs> and not finish this time trial because it's not ideal environment. Yeah. And I and- go around the third lap and I'm like, oh, I'll just do one more lap. And I'm like, I'm still thinking that like, this is not an ideal environment to do a time trial. I should just stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that only happens was that, that that
0: moment that creeps in, you only get like one shot right. to tell it to like shut up or to like, to, to pull back, you know, and it happens so fast and you don't really know when it's going to come. So I've always
1: been on the error of like, Oh, I'll let future Dylan worry about the next time that thought comes in. Cause like, that's what I did. Like the thought came in on the second lap and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'll just, I'll do one more and let future Dylan think about it. And then the third lap comes and I'm like, oh. I'll just let to Dylan think about it. And i was Like, fucking pass
0: Dylan. Give me this yeah. shit to do right now.
1: <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's hard. I, I think that's the biggest barrier for a lot of people is the mental aspect of it. But, like, I've already visualized myself doing this over and over again. So, like, I know I'm on um, the upswing of it. And I'm just going to stay positive with it.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think it's a really cool event. I think it's something that's going to be really fun. And it it'll be, it would be actually fun to watch like the dude who the dude who did the sub uh, who did the sub five and the 500 back squat that was just like a dude lifting a bunch of weight at a gym and then later running on the track like it was just it wasn't fun i just like in in any way to really watch but if it's an actual event, like okay these guys have five minutes they're gonna pick this thing up and we're gonna be able to watch them go it's gonna be like much it's gonna be cool (laughs) it will be fun to see
2: (laughs) that's exactly how i see it in my head like i've talked to dylan about this i was like hey I don't want this just to be a Guinness thing. I want this to be a spectacle. Like, I really want Rogue or someone to pick this up so everyone can see it live stream because I think it'd be a cool event to watch because everyone needs sports right now. Everyone needs something to engage in. And it's a world record. This would be fun to watch. People need to tune in.
1: Totally. And I, I told my brother that this is just for me, so I kind of didn't care what happened either way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, like, it's it's like anything when, you, when these things pop up. And, and this is kind of a segue into to OCR stars. Like, people are looking for things to train for and looking for that type of inspiration. And that's what this could be for a lot of people. Like, oh, shit, I wonder if I could, could train for that. If there's someone who's in that certain boat. Like, they'll probably be some sort of OCR athlete or CrossFit athlete. They're like, oh, you know, I, my pole is like 410 and I can run like a six minute. Maybe I should train for something like this. And it could be something that people try on their own or can have events like held elsewhere. So, I think it's a good thing to, to, to shoot for and if you could make it a spectacle, that'd be really, really cool. And hopefully uh get some eyeballs on that from doing things like this and, and getting getting some awareness out there. And then talking about this type of training and how it can kind of be an event, it, it does present itself well. It seems like you guys are already kind of training for OCR stars and I spent some time off air trying to convince you guys to, to do this event because I think you guys would do really well so we're already past that you guys are both doing the OCR stars semi committed so so that's cool so, but so Mike we're just kind of getting into in terms of where you would see someone who, who doesn't have much of a a gym background, like an obstacle course race athlete who does a lot of their running and spends time on the trails and maybe, you know, they do deadlifts or, you know, tire flips once a week, whatever they're put, they're doing more grip strength stuff. Where do you think someone like that could really benefit uh, if they want to train for OCR stars? Like, where do you think they should start?
2: Yeah. If someone wants to get proficient with OCR stars, you can expect pull-ups to be a big part of the workout. So not having a gymnastic style where it's butterfly pull-ups, which are going to save A whole bunch of time and a whole lot of grip and a whole lot of energy that's one thing you have to get down if you want to be proficient and winning the gym spot for ocr stars so getting those gymnastic movements down that are going to really help kind of save time if you're there kipping away just regular pull-ups you're going to lose the event you're going to save so much more time just getting that butterfly pull up as far as movements with a dumbbell go it's pretty straightforward it's just an object Lift it however they're asking you to. I don't think that's going to be a huge determining factor. So what's going to um, matter
1: is because they say they specifically say dumbbell or kettlebell. Yeah. So this is, the thing is, like, all right, it's not going to make a huge. It will make a difference in the front rack, but if they were doing like dumbbell snatches, like those are two completely different movements with a dumbbell. Yeah, the you can
2: expect it to be a box step up or a box step over. It's going to be something that you're holding by the side, where it shouldn't make much of a difference but it will because the kettlebell is going to be leaning down and it'll probably chip at the box as you step up. But you can expect it 100% to be box step-ups or box step-overs with the bells.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's what's throwing me off as well because there adds way more of an option if they just do one or the other because of, like we said, Dylan, like you do snatches, cleans, even front squats are, are going to be way different. Nope. With, with kettlebells. So I don't know if they're putting that in there just because people are like, Hey, what about kettlebells? This is what I have in my house. It's like, fine. You can do them. It will suck more. It will be harder. You will do worse. Or if they are, if it isn't just going to be hanging. So, yeah, It depends
1: on the movement. Cause like kettlebell snatches could be a lot easier. It depends what the workout is going to be kind of
2: deal. That's the thing though. Like CrossFit standards, it's always alternating snatches by using a dumbbell. You never alternate snatches using a kettlebell. It's going to take way too much time.
0: And you can, you don't even really bring those to the ground, right? You wouldn't do a dead stop kettlebell snatch. I guess you could.
2: You could, but traditionally you're going to do swing snatches with bells. And it just seems
0: that that just seems like a higher skill. Like you can kind of do you can do a, a dumbbell snatch, probably way without easier. ever doing way easier, way without, easier. without even doing a, a snatch ever before. But a kettlebell, you kind of know how you have to know how to do that. You can't just pick it up and do a snatch. You will kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So so that 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 that's really the thing. Like like how much time should be spent working skill versus working just straight up strength. So Dylan, you think that people should just kinda of get in there and work kind of a similar strength progression as what I you think were doing? I mean, I
1: think it has to be a strength uh thing just because there's no way like it's gonna be a special gymnastic type skill where you need to do this specific movement. I think if you're saying, Oh, it's a kettlebell or a dumbbell, like there's no way you could make it oh, oh we're doing snatches today like that just throws everything off and like how do you what quantifies the snatch now can you not swing it do you have to come to the floor there's too many variables there
0: yeah i would like a little clarification on that because that does really change the way people are gonna gonna tra- uh, train but the kipping is a good tip would you like would you recommend that anybody like say they have like how many strict pull-ups you think someone should have before they do butterfly kipping do you think it matters or do you think that um, they if, if you're...
2: it matters you got to have the stability in your shoulders before you decide i'm going to start you know flailing around and learning a movement because that's what's going to happen the first couple times you're going to be flailing around it's not going to look pretty it's not going to be perfect it's part of practice you're learning something new and you need to have the stability in your scaps your yeah. shoulders you need to have good supporting structures so having strict pull-ups before you start doing any style is pretty much a must. And that's what they teach in most CrossFit boxes is getting this strict pull-up down before you even start going to kipping.
0: And, yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think a lot of OCR athletes, they are working on strict pull-ups. Dude, what, do you, what do you think is a number like for guys like, like 10, for women like five? Like what do you think it should be?
2: Yeah, if you're a guy and can hit 10 strict pull-ups, awesome that's where you pretty much should be that's a good standard to sit at women five i'm thinking maybe like closer to six it shouldn't be exactly half should be a little bit higher but hitting six strict pull-ups yeah that's pretty fucking awesome
0: yeah yeah so i i do like what you're saying and like and i like going on straight up strength because those box step-ups like that's where where I was kind of talking to you guys, it would be an advantage for you guys in terms of like strength, because that's going to be hard for a lot of runner people to hold hundred pounds and, and step over a box, especially if they're asking you to step over and control it and walk over the box. I think it'll be really hard for a lot of people if it's not straight up and down, but then you figure it's going to be a lot of box jumps, you know, maybe box jump overs, burpee box jump overs. I was thinking maybe burpee pull-ups even might be a decent one, but a lot of, a lot of motor, I think. Because the the CrossFit, I was looking back at a lot all the CrossFit open workouts that were using dumbbells. There are some that are are, are almost like right up the alley of this. Where it would be, what was the one it was like dumbbell snatches, and burpee box jump overs. I think it started at ten snatches and then fifteen burpee box jump overs, and twenty snatches, and then fifteen box jump overs. So something oh, like I think, that. I
1: think I remember doing something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember how how do you guys do? Well, yeah.
0: and how do you guys do on events like that? Because I think those would be like the that that might be a strength event that would.
2: I actually do in those events, I do really well in those events,
0: yeah, doing you same,
1: uh pretty much though, so. like I mean again, like you're talking about fifty pound dumbbells, cool, that's fun, a strength event I want to see is odd objects lifting, you know, <laughs> right. but yeah, like, it's fun, it's easy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. But it is. It, but like the, the amount yeah. of work that it takes for you to do it is going to be so much smaller than it is for for most other people, right? Yeah. So that's going to level the playing field a little bit. Well, that's bit.
1: something I thought about in TMX when they had us um, doing the bags. The first time bags were ever brought into like an OCR type event, it was like the 150-pound bag over your shoulder. And you're thinking about it, like all the OCR guys that are doing TMX, like this is hard because this is like 70% of our max clean right now. And then you guys. The CrossFit competitors, like, this is 30% of their max clean, and they could easily do it. Even though they're not fast runners, they're not taxing themselves with the 70% max effort that you are. They're just 30% effort, no problem, and they could run right afterwards. Yeah. So it's like the same thing. You're talking about like doing this type of event where, all right, 50 pound dumbbells, that's nowhere near our one rep max, but you're talking about other runners, like, this is closer to their max where this is going to tax them pretty difficultly.
0: Right. And I think in terms of an event that is going to help showcase strength on a large scale, like this is going to be the, like, it seems like there's events that are getting closer and closer to that. Like, like I mentioned the high rocks uh, earlier, where it's like, there is one or two really differentiating pieces that you need strength, but it's still an 8k in the middle. Right. You know, It's still <laughs> like a long ass run. It's an hour plus event. So, but I think this is going to be kind of the, the closest thing uh, aside from those epic series ones that you guys do. That are going to, it's going to be, give a shout to the people and give people a shot who are in, in the gym and who can run, run fast, who could pull 500 and run sub five in the same five minutes or a mile in the same five minutes. This is for All you right. guys. You guys got to do it. <laughs> <clears throat> Sponsored. Well, cool. Uh, so yeah. Do you, what do you guys see yourself? Do you, like, where are you guys in, in terms of like the squat? Like where would like uh, the 505 minute, like what would that take for you guys to do something like that? What are, you, what are your squats like?
1: I haven't squatted in a while, just because of this deadlifting. Probably three eighty something back squat, mm-hmm. maybe four hundred. I'm so far off from a back
2: squat right now.
0: Yeah. And to get that, where are you at, Mike?
2: Yeah, right around where Dylan just said. Like, I don't think I ever touched four hundred pounds on a squat unless it was like a, back, a box squat or something. So that just definitely needs more precise work and actually like structured, because that's something I would not be confident going into.
0: That'll be the next thing. That'll be for next year. Yeah. Next year. To, next to year. That at, the, at the same shot. Yeah, because that that's that's a real, real big, big crazy endeavor. Yeah, you know, that'll um, be great
2: actually. Owning both five and fives and two different lifts. Yeah, that'd be something to think about.
0: Yeah. Do you think you could do it at, at
2: would you think you would need to put on weight for a five hundred pound back squat? No, because if I put on too much weight, that's gonna severely affect my run. Cause even when I was 20 pounds heavier, I noticed my running, like I was overstriding, and it was a lot harder to control for myself from a running standpoint. Hmm. And hmm. I don't know what the difference was, but as soon as I put on that weight, like I was just overstriding. It was hard keeping everything together. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that'll just put in some, that dedicated work. Maybe, maybe as soon as this is done, right after OCR stars, get onto that back, back squat progression. <laughs> Um, well, cool fellas. So is there anything else that you want to let the people know about in terms of where can people like find you in terms of like your coaching or, or on, on the socials?
1: Well, thanks to COVID, we're both doing like a lot of remote coaching. So I do all my remote coaching through Google docs and more. My Instagram's easy. It's Dylan Moralia, uh, it the right way, not the wrong way. Figure it out. Um, <laughs> I also want people to know that my mustache looks better than Mike's always has always will. And Rich is going to give us our, his credit card number so we can register for OCR. Done. Sorry.
0: Mike,
2: rebuttal on the facial hair. Wow. All statement. right. Uh, I just want, you know, let's put this out there. If I make this five and five and Dylan does not, I want him to post a picture of me with my mustache that I actually just sent him on his Instagram every day for a week saying, I will never live up to my brother's mustache. <laughs> so if I make this five of five and he does not, I want him to do that for a full straight week.
0: Is this the first wager you guys have had, or is there any type of wagering involved? Is is there a, a deal where if like you both miss it, you both have to do something? Or have you talked about that?
1: No, it's just more of the honor of having something over someone else. Yeah. yeah. That's all it really comes down to.
0: That's all it ever comes down like, to.
1: Like the wager will never amount to anything more than, oh, I did this and you can't. <laughs> That's there's so there's crazy. no wager that could be more like embarrassing than that.
0: <laughs> That's true. The stakes are already high. All right, cool, fellas. Well, I'll make sure to link to everything in the the show notes and and making sure that we'll we'll, we'll keep the the people informed on what's going on in terms of. the 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 event itself so make sure that you guys are posting letting us know i know you've made a couple posts about the event kind of letting it to get some awareness going but yeah i'm real excited to see when this thing comes to fruition and you know i would love to watch a live stream and to to pump you guys up and push it on out so (laughs) yeah keep us posted fellas (laughs) cool well that's us signing off i'll press stop we'll stay on here and we will talk to you soon
2: all right take care guys